Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller here from Lord Jupiter, and we're going to take a listener question today. Don't do this typically so much here on this podcast, but this question really touched my heart. Hi, Thomas. My name is Annette from Denver. Longtime listener. I absolutely love what you're doing. I love all of the effort and knowledge you're giving us. My question is about planets and detriment in our natal charts. So how do we find growth from uncomfortable positionings that keep recurring over and over again? For example, I am a Cancer sun and I have uh, my ascendant as Cancer. And then I got good old Mars there, one degree away from my sun, like 28, 29 degrees. And it's just causing so much fun. <laughs> I don't think I've integrated it. And I know a lot of us have other interesting aspects, squares, whatnot, things to reconcile. <sighs> Maybe this is a broad question, but you've done a lot of self-work yourself. Where did you start? Thank you so much. I can't wait to hear what you say. Love what you do. Annette, thank you so much. You just don't know, you know, when you grind it out over this long period of time, these kinds of messages are the fuel, the octane that keep this engine running. So thank you. Now, first, let's talk about the setup here. And obviously, as you can tell, we're dealing with two astrological planets, the Sun and Mars. Now, for those of you who haven't followed the astrology, that's fine. We don't have to. We'll just talk about two different elements of reality. First of all, the sun represents you and me. And Annette, the sun in astrology is just a mirror of the essence of who we are as an individual. Mars, in mythology, is the god of war. If you simply put what she is saying into astrological plain English, she is at war with herself often. Now, if you're saying, geez, Thomas, you're being a little judgmental there on poor Annette. Well, <laughs> and the reason she left the message is she knows that my configuration, my astrological chart, has Mars and the Sun on exactly the same degree. Pretty much what Annette has. Hers is one degree removed in the sign of Cancer. Mine is the same degree in the sign of Scorpio. And just so we set the other parameters, Annette has an advantage in this game <laughs> because her son is in the sign of Cancer. And Cancer is a lot more passive than Scorpio. So she has this natural built-in kind of defense mechanism against this that she can draw on and use when she chooses. But it still is a very powerful, fiery aspect and there's one other clue. She said that her son, I believe, is at 28 degrees cancer. I'm reading this in. And then Mars is at 29, or it might be the other way around. But any planet at 29 degrees is pretty much looking at the next sign. And the next sign from cancer is Leo, which is pure fire. So I can totally identify with Annette's question and dilemma. As I have learned astrology better, I realize that all of the early episodes of this podcast and all of that stuff that I talked about resolving the challenges of my upbringing came mostly from the three planets that I have stacked on top of each other, 
the Sun, Mars, and Neptune, and the conflicts and the internal strife and everything else that came from that. So when somebody comes asking, how did you get past this? How did you work through it? What did you do? Where did you begin, as she said? I love these questions, and I just want to do all I can to help and share some of what I've done. And look, I'm not complete in this, number one, and certainly not comprehensive. This is an individual prescription that all of us have to work out for ourselves. But I can tell you what I did and where it all began. So if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know that basically I sat myself down one day after I had been divorced twice and I was looking at 50 years old, just a couple of years ahead. And I said, dude, you can't do this for the rest of your life. Two women had decided that they didn't want to live with me anymore. I didn't know why. That right there is called unconscious living. I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't understand astrology at the time. So already Annette has three advantages. She has cancer on her side, a softer sign. She has the fact that she understands astrology. So she's looking at this for solutions. And she also is conscious because she's asking these questions. Consciousness is really in its essence us stopping long enough to take a look at our life and make sure that we're on a good track. You know, life can so suck us into the routines and the norms, especially in those busiest years of school, college, starting a family, being a young person, I guess would go before that, starting a family, raising those kids. These are hyper busy years that demand a lot of physical time, physical energy, and our attention. And when it's there, it's often not on our life path. The other thing is, whenever we start digging into our life path, it often involves hurts and wounds and pain. And we'll do anything as human beings to avoid pain. So we don't look at it. And it becomes unconscious. And then we wake up when we're almost 50 years old and we say, gee, I wonder why these two people don't want to be with me. And a lot of it was because of the Sun-Mars aspect in my own life. And yes, I really do kind of want to paint a picture of compassion and empathy here. There was one astrologer that I have consulted with who actually did that for me, Robert Hand. When I had a reading with him, he's probably one of the most brilliant. He has a Ph.D. in language studies, I believe, so that he can translate the old Latin and Greek astrology texts. That's the level Robert Hand is on. We didn't talk about that aspect in detail when I had my consultation with him, oh, six months or so ago, because he said, it looks like you've developed past it. He had asked for kind of a track of where I was, and he said, it looks like you've recognized it and handled it, but boy, he sure did understand what that meant. Very few do. And I would say, in fairness, it's because they don't have it. They haven't lived with it. They haven't had to deal with it. One other little global point here from the beginning for all of us is that we all have our particular areas of challenge, right? You could pull that from your astrology chart and look at an image of it, of what it looks like, like this. Or you could just pull pages from your life and you could say, here's where it shows up. So we all have our stuff. That's just a given. And 
this particular wiring has its own manifestations that in some cases might be a little bit unique. However, we all have a Mars and we all have a Sun. And wherever they are related in your life, well, some of this is going to spill out inevitably. So here are a few thoughts on what it's like to have this intensity built into your wiring, into your DNA. Number one, it's like a war ongoing inside. It seems like something is always at conflict. Often there is an unsettledness because, again, it's like there's this ongoing battle inside. That unsettledness at certain times has to get itself out and that can result in outbursts, frustrations. And the frustrations are because it seems like nothing is working on the outside, and that's because you're at war with yourself or there's a war going on inside. You look at this and you say, this shouldn't be normal, and then start pushing against it. That's frustration. And you feel like, and I think it is healthy, to release the frustration instantly. The trick is, when you do release that frustration, in other words, some kind of outburst, the trick is recovering that energy because anger is one of the lowest energies. So it's like, see here again, it's like, here's this conflict. Ah, I have to get the, uh, right? There's that. And then there's this, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ooh, got to get back in balance. And that happens many times through the day. In fact, it comes and goes and you can't turn the switch off because the next battle, Mars, is lurking right around the next corner, either with your environment, and there's the two ladies who decided they'd had enough, or with yourself where you just can't find peace. It eventually comes, but boy, when it's distant, it is so unsettling. You're just churning. And another result of that conflict, just based on pure energy, is that things often don't go well because there is this conflict going on, even if the conflict is inside. What do we talk about in Manifesting School 101? Wherever you are vibrationally, well, if you're vibrationally at war inside, what's going to happen outside? War. And you don't have to lift a finger. For that war to ensue. There's another big issue, and I'm not going to dwell on this, but there is a big sexual component here as well. That's part of the fire. This is something that everybody kind of has to deal with privately, but it is often unfulfilled, and that leads to more conflict. So you build all of this up, and what you have is an over-aggression I mean, way beyond societal norms. And what you're trying to do in order to be in society is to suppress it as best you can. Well, when you suppress that energy, your body holds it. And one of the organs that is most affected, I think, is your heart. Our heart's rhythm, its beat, the pace of your heart rate is all determined partially by your inner peace. You can calm yourself and your heart rate will go down. Fight or flight, your heart rate goes up. Well, when you're in internal fight or flight all the time, your heart rate can be elevated or 
at least your heart can be overstimulated, even if it's not reflecting in your heart rate. Because psychologically, you're just always pushing. You want it now, and you will go to battle until you get it. So you push and push and push until finally it snaps. And others can't handle that intensity, so they leave. Now, here again, one area where I had a little bit of a more uh, impact of this because of the Scorpio intensity on top of that. Cancers typically don't have that intensity. So I think we've run this around enough. You get the picture, right? This is a super intense and always on kind of internal challenge. The internal challenge fuels the external manifestations and you have conflict abundant in your life. Now, Annette called because she was at a place in her life where she wanted to deal with it. That's consciousness. She's probably heard from the astrology podcasts that I have a similar aspect and that I've dealt with this. So she asked, where did you start? Well, the one place I started was when I went through that second divorce. I was almost 50 years old, so there was an age marker that at least had some kind of significance for me to sit down and say, something has to change. I'm not willing to keep on living this way anymore. And like I said, I didn't have any of the tools that we've talked about in this podcast series all the way back to 2013. And now you take that basket of tools and you could move through this so much faster. But the first thing I did is I sat down and I dissected how I got there. Now, if I were doing this again today, I would interject a step before that. I would ask God for benefic help. And I would put it that way. Please be gentle on me, but I want to step into more conscious awareness of me, how I'm made, how I, I mean, the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> yeah, fearfully might come in. Some, that's actually a positive word in the King James. It, it basically is saying we are so ununderstandably made. It's like this is so complex and it's so wonderful and it's glorious in how we are made. And just to say, God, I came in like this. I know the purpose is to learn lessons. So if you'll show me, that's your end of the deal. Show me gently. I will work on it diligently. That will be my end of the deal. And then ask for the next step. We say enjoy the journey. It really is a journey. And a journey on any kind of metric step begins one step at a time or one turn of the wheel of a time or one mile in the air at a time or one clickety-clack down a train track at a time. Now, where to begin? Well, I would begin with looking around at where is the biggest conflict in my life right now and start to work on that. What I did is traced everything back to where that conflict first appeared. I was just with my brother over on the other side of Florida. We spent... <laughs> I think we probably had about 10 days together in this little trip. Just glorious. And we relived a lot of our past, and, and we brought up some of it. And there were a couple of choke points, although we didn't dwell on it. We both have worked through it now. That conflict with my brother from our upbringing was one of the first places I started. And I went back and 
picked everything I could about it apart from the perspective of how did I come to not like my brother? How was it that my brother pushed away? Well, it's because he had been beaten up by all of this intensity that we just talked about one enough times. But I really feel strongly that if we will, any of us, no matter where we are on this journey, if we will pick one area and start to work on it diligently and ask for guidance, that we will be gently shown the next steps. So I picked that conflict apart with my brother. I traced it all the way back. Uh, This took a while. This took quite a while. I had to keep revisiting it. I would get insights. I would work on those insights of what I had, and then more would come. For me, it traced back to my upbringing with my, or when I came in with my mom, I was overly coddled by her. I'm the oldest. When my brother came, that disrupted that pattern, and I told him in tears when we resolved this many years ago, I never forgave you for being born. I found what it was for him to experience me. And when I connected with him, not about what all I've done, not all the work that I've done, I called him up in tears and I said, I never forgave you for being born. And I understand. I'm underneath the flight path to the Tampa airport, you guys. I'm going to keep talking. Airplanes going over, okay? So they've just been one after another, and it's uh, 6.30 in the morning. So I guess we're like, okay. Uh, But anyway, I called him and said, I never forgave you for being born. And when he knew that I was seeing it through his experience, that opened the door for him to say, I really do want a brother. And he told me on this one of these trips, he said, I always, growing up, I always wanted an older brother, and now I have one. And we're over 60 years old, both of us. It's never too late. Never. Now let me share a couple of things, Annette, that probably will not help you as much, just a few, and then I'll share some things that might. The first thing is that I grew older. And there is something hormonally that changes, especially probably starts, ah, hard to pick it up. It starts in your 50s, but really when you hit 60, things start to change hormonally, physically, and you just don't have that edge that you used to have. Talk about astrology, the second Saturn return. That's when Saturn returns back to where it was when you were born the second time is around 58, 59 years old. Steve Forrest has a beautiful description of that in, I forget which book it was, probably the Book of Earth, I'm guessing, that he says when the Saturn return hits the second time, It's the passage between your adult, productive, child-rearing years and your older years. It's how your golden years are going to be spent. And he said, the transit will determine, or that period of time, those years will determine if you are going to be a grumpy old toot (laughs) or a really cool old person. And when I read that, I thought, oh, I'm going to work on as best I can to be a really cool old person. So those are the choices. That's where it's headed. But I think growing older takes the edge, some of the edge off. I've experienced that myself. The second thing is, because of this, I blew my heart out. 
which makes me constantly, every minute of every day, aware of how I am managing that intensity right now. So I have a built-in circuit breaker. It tells me when I have to stop and address it. I also have built-in motivation. If I allow that stress or that internal conflict to develop and even get to a level two, then I'm going to have a problem. And that's a high motivation for me. I have a friend in Colorado, actually. Annette's from Denver. This is from Aspen. This guy, or actually now he's in Buena Vista, Salida. But he's a, a remarkable man. Just to say that he is a remarkable man. He spent time in Aspen in the 1970s. And he was a competitive ski, uh, freestyle skier. You know, that's where they do the jumps and the somersaults and all that stuff. He was an amazing guy back then. But the Aspen lifestyle of the 70s got a hold of him, and he became very enmeshed in drugs and alcohol. He's now in his mid-60s, actually, what is he, about four years older, and he's 67 now. And he told me, we, were, we spent some time together a couple of years ago there, and he said that he knows that today, even though all of that ended, he hasn't had a drink in 40 years, he said, I know that if alcohol passed over these lips, and he pointed right to his lips, that I would die. It would kill me. That's motivation. That's a big enough why not to do it. Same thing here. If you have a big enough why to change anything in your life and keep it changed, well, when my heart issue came up in 2013, it was enough motivation, or at least has grown into enough motivation, that I really try to throttle it back. The third thing that I have is that I have a pretty close relationship with Fred Dodson, and I watch Fred Dodson. He is my role model. He is my mentor, and he is so chill. And I know that that is not his original nature. He makes himself calm. He trains himself calm. He practices calm. He values calm. He does it mostly because if you're not calm, you don't get those messages. Your intuition compass goes haywire. <laughs> and he knows that. And he knows that if he is not staying in a place of calm, then he is not in a place to receive the messages that guide him. So he has that as his why. That's his big motivating factor. Now, here are some things that you can, let's add to the list here, that you can try. And I made a random list of about 10 things, so we'll go through these quickly. First of all, and I think this is huge, realize that this is how you are wired and don't try to be normal, quote unquote. We always try to succumb and conform and to play into societal norms. When I finally accepted this is how I came in wired to be a human being, that was so freeing. Because then I could just play with it. Ah, you're back to your wiring again. That's your programming. Is it changeable? Absolutely. If you want to work with somebody who can really help dig old subconscious wiring out and rewire it, talk to Lynn Schaefer. She's in our Facebook group and also thebeautifulmindcoach.com. She'll help you. Takes a lot of work. Sometimes isn't easy, but she'll help you. But that was very freeing. So accepting who you are with no apologies. And then after accepting, you can work on the improving. 
without judgment. Just know you came here to make the changes. Get about making the changes, one at a time, one step at a time. Another one is you have to, have to have a physical outlet of release. And I'm imagining that if you're in Denver, you have plenty. At least you have access to plenty. I mean, Denver's as flat as Dallas in itself, but you don't have to go far before it's not. So get energetic. You've got to get that energy out. And the release has to match the intensity of what's inside. Don't go do a little 45-minute mambo-pambo workout on an exercise machine and think that that's going to release the intensity. I mean, you have to get out there and beat it out. That's why I did the hiking trails. Pounding it out, climbing up a mountain. Boom! That is the intensity that can get it out. Then you can find internal calm because you're changing your physiology. Now, let's change the spiritual side as well. You have to meditate and do some kind of Zen practice every day. You have to have something that calms you, whatever that is, whether it's breathing, yoga, but you have to have something inside that brings you to center. And I'll tell you, here again, part of my journey was, again, deliberately doing these things. So deliberately doing yoga, deliberately exercising. And then all of a sudden it just gets into a flow. And you can find that Zen center, like Fred does, just in your being. That's what you're working toward, where you just be that. Now I'm going to say that this particular aspect, this particular wiring diagram of the Sun and Mars being so close together, it's going to show up even in your Zen moments. For example, I was just at Ormond Beach with my brother. That's on the east coast of Florida. And I've got to say, I was boiling the time I was there inside. Didn't show up on the outside, but man, I was in internal conflict on the inside. And I've come to realize that there is a geographic factor as well. I'm telling you guys, and I know a lot of you will say, oh, Thomas, I have patterned over a number of times with a lot of observation that that stretch of Florida, basically that upper east coast area of Florida, does not resonate with me. And it causes internal conflict. And now I realize that. So if I choose to go back to that area, I'm going to do it for a short period of time, number one. And number two, I'm going to realize that that is built into that geography for me. It just has happened repeatedly over and over and over. So, okay, I'm respecting that. Soon as I pull back, not too far either, by the way, soon as I pull back away from that, especially from the coastline, it resolves quite quickly. So I'll know when I go that I'll just have to work on it and in some cases hold my breath and in some cases just be prepared and do a little extra work while I'm in it, but I'm not going to stay in it and expose myself to that for a long period of time. Another thing that I personally do is I don't expose myself to mass culture a lot, especially since the pandemic. I just kind of got into the habit of not going out to these various places that I might have gone to before. And this is totally a personal decision. I'm actually quite comfortable with it. And as I realize, I mean, Fred and his wife have a lot of entertainment in their life. They do a lot of fun things, but they typically do them together. So it has helped me balance internally to be 
uh, more on my own. There's a lot of wonky energy out there, and when you go out and uh, participate in it, then you have to recenter. And I just found it easier to stay in my zone and have my switch more on than off and not have to recenter. Because I do a daily podcast. I mean, I have to be on. I can't be recovering from, you know, a self-induced headache <laughs> or just being tired because I dragged myself in at some crazy hour in the morning or just being disturbed. You know, I listened to that audiobook from uh, Johnny Cash's kids, two audiobooks over the New Year holiday. It disrupted me. I mean, it took probably nearly two weeks to unwind that out of my system. See, it's like, okay, I'm not going to go there. I don't watch TV. I don't do movies, but that's just myself. That's me trying to say I'm going to stay as in my little intuitive space, and that's what works for me. Some people, that would drive them absolutely batty crazy. If you need the cultural stimulation in order to boost your energy, then boost your energy. Do what you need to do, and certainly don't judge somebody for what they choose to do. If you are being conscious and you are saying, this is what serves me best right now, and I'm open to always examine it, things can always be modified or changed. But for me right now, this is what serves me the best. And stay in that until it doesn't serve you and or there's some change that the universe or God is leading you into. Let me slip an astrology one in here for Annette. Look at the other side of the chart. So for you, that's Capricorn and, to some degree, Aquarius, because you're that, you've got that 29-degree planet. So I always said, for me, when I ran out of gas looking at things in Scorpio, look over at Taurus for me, because that's the other side of the chart. Well, if you think about this, what is the one thing that just brings me back to center? Earth grounding. What is Taurus? Earth grounding. Another one we touched on earlier, and I'll just reemphasize it here. Don't make it wrong when it shows up. We're on a journey. Be conscious and work on it. Get help when you need it. When you don't, run your own game. Follow your own intuition. Another one may be specific here to Annette, but probably for all of us in some cases, water can help. Now, I know you said you're in Denver, but what about when you go to Lake Dillon? How do you feel when you're hiking around or driving around or bicycling around the lake? Does the water soothe you? Well, if it does, then you might think about how you can incorporate more water into your environment. And I know in Colorado that usually is a river, a stream, a small lake, a high country lake, or something like Lake Dillon. It's not abundant. There aren't any coastlines but you might need to incorporate more water into your environment. It's no secret I'm sitting in a van <laughs> that I move around a lot, and I will say geography definitely affects energy. So sometimes when we change our geography, our energy changes. And kind of on that point, too, you have to try different things, all consciously guided, and I would absolutely, again, begin this from asking help from above. But once you're given that guidance, try things. It's almost like you're making a big salad. Put the ingredients in that work, take the ingredients out that don't work, keep working on the flavor of that salad. 
And another thing that's come up in some discussions recently in my own life is how badly do you want it? In other words, are you dabbling or are you truly passionately committed to finding a better way for yourself? I was passionately committed. There was no back door. I was going to find another way, and I was going to do everything I needed to do with this intensity we're talking about until I got it. And even with that intensity, it took a year just to get it started. But it truly is a journey. And okay, one more. Reading, listening to, and hearing Fred Dodson's words guided me into the places I needed to go. That may or may not work for you, but if you get on Audible and you do not need a subscription to buy books on Audible, or you get on the Apple Books and get Fred's books and listen to them, there is something about his words playing in your mind that will change your state. Some people don't like Fred, and that's fine. It made a big impact for me, and you asked what I did. That was another big piece of it, because I think about from 2009, when I spent the year in the RV the first time, up to 2013, that was all self-growth. That was me pounding it out on the pavement. And I grew so far, and I made tremendous progress. When I got around Fred, 2013, 14, 15, I basically was reading the books, but it wasn't soaking in as much as it did starting in 2016. And then it just clicked and it took off. And then it became who I am. So you can replicate what I did. You can listen to the book and you can read the book. If you have the time to do it, read the book while you're listening. If not, have a listening thing going on. There's something about what he writes that's just different, and it's magical. And I can honestly say this, that as I look back on this process and look at where I am now and where I was then, would I trade it for anything? <laughs> I think you already know the answer to that. There is no way. And that's why I guard it so carefully. I guard it carefully because I don't ever want to go back. It's like my friend said, I will never let the old represented by the alcohol in his case, I will never, and me too, I will never let the old pass by my lips again because it would kill me. And that includes for me my entire way of being. Let me close with one other point. You never, ever, ever stop growing. Even as Fred wrote in Lives of the Soul, when you transition to the other side, you go back to school there too. So, <laughs> always adopt a learner's perspective, not a knower's perspective. We're always working on something. If you ever think you've quote-unquote made it, that would be the biggest warning of them all. I hope this helps, Annette. Thank you for a great question. The most important thing, as we just said, is to enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thank you so much for listening. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.